Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have an issue for you tonight, and we're going to get deep with it. Why, do you ask? Because this is Webisode 31 of the Deep Issues Podcast. It's day 5,372 in the search for Tim Chevelday. I'm your host, Josh Hauslander, with me as always, producer extraordinaire Adam Hernandez and Deep Issues expert Ed Zaharsky. How's it going, Deep Issuers? It's going a lot better now because I just saw the Pistons beat the Grizzlies 193. They were down like 57 to 38 at the at, at the half, and they need to win these last two games. Okay. If they want to go do to the playoffs. <laughs> do they, uh, does this get them in, or do they have to win the next one too? Um, I think they have to win the next one too. Okay. I mean, they have the they have the destiny in their own hands. Right. Um, just because I mean they're in as of right now, but. Different show. So if if you're right, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to, but, but yeah, we're we're uh, sorry. I'm just surprised. Oh, no, no, they actually, it's, it's, I'm surprised it's all, they actually won. It's all good. We're we're here in Detroit. We're all we're all we're all Pistons fans. So so uh, sorry to spring that on you, everybody. But yeah, all right. So so yeah. So if Pistons win that game, they're in for sure. But then there's I think there's what there's a chance they could get in. They could back their way in. There's one. There's lost. one more game. I I mean I gotta see. I guess it depends. I don't know what their magic number is right now, but. Uh, it depends what um, what uh, the Heat and Hornets do the rest of the way as well. So. Right on. Yeah. Well, tonight's deep issue that we will be covering is Operation Mockingbird. Now, when you type Operation Mockingbird into your Google box or into YouTube or into other search engines, it's instantly going to say Operation Mockingbird and then conspiracy is going to pop up after that word. But this isn't really a conspiracy. We know that... Um, I mean, the only conspiracy behind it is whether or not it's still happening right now to this to this day or this very second. But we know that Operation Mockingbird was a real thing. That's not a made up name. That's not a made up anything. That this is something that that happened and was exposed in the you know many many years ago, over forty years ago. I think technically the name might actually it's referred to as that, and it was a thing. I don't know if internally they actually use that exact same name, but. It's a thing, regardless. Oh, okay. I thought that Operation Mockingbird was something that a CIA agent had revealed at some point, but I could be wrong. And, and it very well could be. I don't know if oh. in the church report, if it officially was ever referred mm-hmm. to as that. Um, so as we know, it's 2019, and he'll say, you know, when did this begin, I guess is the question. Um, well, when did we find out about it? We found out about it in 1975 through a congressional hearing. That's when it became common knowledge. But according to those hearings, we know that it was has been going on since the 1950s, actually, since the Eisenhower administration. And we also know from that congressional hearing conducted by, I can't remember his name, Senator Frank Church was the guy that conducted the, uh, the hearings. We know from that 1975 congressional hearing that starting from the 1950s, they had at least 3,000 people in the journalism industries on the government payroll, on CIA payroll, and that they had at least a 1 billion, that's B, billion with a B, in 1950s to 70s money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. $1 billion budget. Um. On that note, I forget who said this, but there was somebody in the CIA who had a quote that basically said, 
they had unlimited funds, that they were given a budget and they couldn't yeah. figure out how to spend all the money. Thomas Braden. Was that okay? Yeah, Thomas <laughs> Braden said that. He said that um, they could, this is a quote, extend a present to 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 anyone in the media and it was unaccountable to anyone and they said that it was basically no big deal to they realized they'd find somebody that really needed fifty thousand dollars and they would give them fifty thousand dollars again this isn't 2019 money that's that's probably am, am i safe to say i'm not an inflation expert for 50 grand in the 50s 60s 70s we're talking Quarter million at least. At least. You know, at least quarter million. Maybe more like half million? No, because um, I think in the 70s it would have been a quarter million, so it's probably more like a half million. Yeah. So, Ed, why don't you – you're kind of the, one of the experts on this because I jumped right into some of the numbers and figures and stuff and some of the, dropped some names. Why don't you tell us the basic idea of what is Operation Mockingbird? So the idea is that essentially they're paying correspondents in the mainstream news media – um, they, they say they're giving them gifts or essentially mm -hmm. money in exchange for an intelligence as, as, as they kind of wanted to put it, but essentially they're, they're paying them to spin stories and in, in, in the way that the report went is they mostly tried to spin it as if this is like overseas sort of affairs, like correspondence there and they're, they're just gathering intel, which is part of it. You know, they're, they're gathering intel overseas, but Essentially, that they're just they're they're using it as um, you know to just get stuff overseas when and really they're manipulating the media. They're it's it's social engineering. Yeah, me, <laughs> media media manipulation. You yeah. know, it, um, on many many levels. Um, some of the ones that when they, it was exposed later, there's actually a big article about this. You can uh, these these uh, congressional hearings, by the way, are. Very easy to find, you know, on on tape, um, you know, YouTube, Google, anything. You can you can find these relatively easy. Uh, the only issue is a lot of the big questions, which this is telling in its own right. But many of the questions that Fr Senator Frank Church asks the CIA agents say, "I think that'd be better if we discussed that in the closed meeting." So, and, and I think that's where you you get a lot of these people saying, "Well, it's a conspiracy," because technically, officially. No one was named specifically. No single news outlet mm -hmm. and no specific employee in the, those news outlets were named specifically. We know they happened. We know tons of money was given to them. We know a lot of them were involved. But that is basically either it happened on a closed-door meeting or it's still classified. According to Rolling Stone article um, that dug pretty deep into this, and I believe the late Carl 70s. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, they said that they listed um, 25, over 25 newspapers or organizations that were definitely linked to this, that definitely had people on the payroll. And of those, the, the top ones are New York Times, the Washington Post, CBS, and NBC. Those definitely had, you know, CIA agents or, you know, CIA people on the CIA payroll working in those organizations so those big four for sure and they go on to list you know about 20 more at least or more so a big deal yeah. you know? yeah. if, if, if we have such a uh, 
fair and objective media, what do we need the CIA meddling in it for? Right, right. Um, in 1964, there's a book written called The Invisible Government by two journalists um, who said they had firsthand information about this. Uh, David Wise and Thomas Ross were the two writers of Invisible Government. Um, it talked about the... CIA buying people out, but it also highlighted a lot of CIA failures. The CIA planned to buy out every copy of the book. That was the CIA's plan was, okay, oh crap, we can't have this out there. We're just going to buy every copy of the book. But Wise and Ross and the publishers caught wind of that, and their reaction was basically like, well, that sounds great. We'll just have a second edition. <laughs> you're really gonna buy every copy of our book that's great you know we'll, that's great we'll, we'll be a bestseller and and uh you know we'll, we'll make a second edition so the cia decided not to and instead tried to run some disinformation saying like oh no that's overblown or or <laughs> or whatever um okay so what exactly i guess the main question that I immediately ask myself is how many people do you guys know, you know, on the left, on the right, how many people do you guys know in your life that talk politics or talk about the news or talk about their views and the things they say are simply mimicking what you hear on CNN or Fox News or NPR or from Rush Limbaugh. 99.99. I mean, you got Adam, you're, you're with me on this, right? I mean, how many people do you know that you just, you know, you they say something and it's like, that's exactly what Rush Limbaugh said on the show yesterday. Like, word for word. You're, you're quoting what he said. So right, that's you're, exact- you're one of them. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, that's exactly what NPR reported yesterday like word for word you're just saying what you heard on npr you're just saying what you heard on cnn you're just saying what you heard on handy's show on fox news last night not only do they know this and that's part of the reason why this is a thing but they know that if every single source were exactly the same that it would spill over to something else and and they would lose some people which Mm -hmm. is exactly why you have something like say fox news no Obviously, anybody who's listened to me on this and mm-hmm. knows me knows that I tend to be fairly conservative sure, on sure. that side of things. But Fox News is just the controlled opposition. Yeah. That's where, that's where you catch everybody else on the other side. Right. And, and the thing that I like to point out is, okay, um, are they both controlled by the CIA? I would venture to say yes, probably. You know, I would say that they both have, it doesn't mean that every single person that works for them is controlled, but I would venture to say they both are, but let's just say for argument's sake that only one of them is, and I don't care which one it is, only the, you know, only the CNN, MSNBC crew is, you know, linked, or only the Fox News side is controlled, but what in essence, would go down with this is by only controlling one side, well, because you have, in essence, split the country in half through bipartisanship, supposedly, or through polarization, you've the parties and the government and the media have purposely split the nation, 
We are completely polarized. About 50-50 of the voting people. Don't, uh, you know, count all those crazy people that don't vote and who vote third party who are actually a hell of a lot more people than, than, than they like to give credit to. For the dead people voting. Right, right. But they have polarized the country into basically 50-50. So by only controlling one half, well, simple supply and demand will make the other side just as biased, but the other way. Because, you know, say, say they're only controlling CNN. Well, or, or they're only controlling, we'll, we'll, say, we'll say that they're only controlling the right. We're only, they're only controlling the right-wing side of it. Well, by supply and demand, the other half of the country isn't going to want to hear that crap. So the, the other part will come in. You know, I mean, it's it's actually that simple. It'd be like um, it'd be like them saying it would be like something is controlling only the production of pickup trucks. Well, then you don't really have to control the cars because it's safe to say that the people that don't like trucks are just going to buy the cars. So then they're shifted into that other segment and forced in. there. It, it very well presents the false dilemma, logical fallacy. Mm-hmm. There are two options, left right. and right except the two that presented to you are completely wrong. So people just, they, they inherently, they, people, mm-hmm. are, even though they tend to be lemmings and are controlled, they, they realize at some level that they're being lied to. And so they say, well, here's my two options. This one's wrong, so mm-hmm. the other one must be right. And they go to that, and so they trade one lie for the other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And to, to prove how... how much people on in the news media, and actually many of the people that just follow one side or the other in the news media, to prove how backward they are in so many ways is that we have these two parties that have set ideas for just about everything, you know, every issue out there, every issue out there, but... How come you never find anybody, and you used to see this occasionally in the news, you used to see somebody that was a Democrat but had a couple of views that lined up with Republicans, and vice versa. But you never see that anymore. So the question I always ask is, what does opposing abortion have to do with supporting the war in Iraq? So, <laughs> you know, like, What does being a firm believer in the Second Amendment have to do with um, opposing health care. You know, I mean, opposing socialized medicine. You know, what, what do they have to do with each other? And the, the answer is, ideologically, philosophically, very little other than your tribe, your party, your half of the polarized duopoly has set views and you you better get in line you better conform you better fall in and this to me is an issue how come you have these really smart guys supposedly very successful men and women who have made it into the world of journalism and media because we're not talking about people writing for um you know the uh iowa city tribune that's a made-up paper, by the way. You know, I, you know, we're we're talking about the people that have climbed through the ranks and are on national television every night. Well, part of it, and what part of the investigation that um, that Carl Bernstein did, and, and what you can mm-hmm. gather from other people, 
the people that they paid off in the media. So it's not like they went to NBC and said, okay, there's 2000 people on your payroll, you know, or you're going to hire 2000 CIA agents and we're going to infiltrate you. They, you don't have to, to do involve everybody in the conspiracy quote unquote, you know, you, you get a program director, a hiring manager, they mm-hmm. have massive influence. I mean, everybody hears work jobs before to know that, you know, the person who does the hiring tends to hire their flavor of employees. Sure. And of course they're going to hire people that are going to basically do their bidding or, you know, fit their sort of views, or, you know, maybe they give them strong suggestions that they report on this or that, or, you know, if because their job mm-hmm. depends on it. It's, it's very easy to control if you get in at a high level. And they're on the air every day. So if you don't like, if you don't think they're following you or you don't like what they're saying, you replace them. Yes. They're very replaceable. Um, one name for sure is uh, Sig Mickelson. Um, he was president of CBS um, from 1954 to 1961. And he said when he jumped in in 1954 that the CIA was very well established already. That when he got there in 54, it was com- already there completely. And that they just said, okay, you're going to be, you're going to play along, right? And And he did. He did. So... This is a guy who was there for seven years, the president of CBS, who completely acknowledged their, in essence, their business partnership with the Central Intelligence Agency. Um, no one has ever basically, the, the, what's strange about the CIA with this, they have never denied this, really. They've refused to give um, particulars because they cite that it's um, national security. But they've never said that they don't do this. No, in fact, there's a quote by George Bush um, after this report came out. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, we're no longer going to pay journalists anymore, which basically is a full admission of they were paying journalists. They had sent people to go work for these agencies and claiming, you know, hey, we're not going to, we did that, but we're not going to do that anymore. That's, that's a full on admission. In that same interview, he went on to say, we're not going to openly pay people to do this anymore, but we're still going to offer journalists an opportunity to um, get intel from us. So he's basically saying, we're going to continue. Yeah, we're going to stop giving them monetary funds, although it never was defunded. No. They, they never, the, the money is, is still there. He said it in a way that basically was almost like they're not going to, do it like they still could right so in essence they're saying that we'll still give certain journalists the the intel if they're they're only going to give it to the people that are going to report the way they want to report yeah if you take the intel and then turn around the next day on your television show or in your newspaper article and criticize the cia well guess what you're you're off the list now you're not going to be part of their part of their little game anymore. They'll give it to somebody else. They'll give it to somebody that will report the way they want them to report. Yep. Um, we know that this is true in newspapers, in television, in radio. And if they are still doing it, which, again, we have no evidence to show that they aren't still doing it, well, social media just makes this, makes their job just so much easier. Yep. You know, I mean, it really does. I think there's uh, plenty of pretty 
easily available evidence that they still do do it. I mean, one example of many just in our lifetime that we all experienced is the Iraq War. Does anyone still believe that there's weapons of mass destruction somewhere in Iraq that Saddam was going to use to wipe us mm -hmm. off the planet with? No, and that was pushed for years. I mean, yeah. for years. I mean, and, and there were sources out there that basically disproved it before the war started, but you saw zero opposition from any mainstream sources. Zero. Well, well there, there are weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East, but it's not in Iraq. No, but, <laughs> it's in Saudi Arabia, and the U.S. No, sold but, it to them. But, but that's not what was told. Right. I, mean, was, I know, I know. I'm just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the point is, it was 100% we wanted to go to war. Oh, and, no, you're... I mean, we could not have gone to that war and had such public support if it weren't for the manipulation of the media. No, it, I mean, you're... You're right, and it's, I mean, wars equal ratings for, you know, large media companies, and ratings equal dollars. Um, same thing, same thing with, same thing with the government, and government contracts for war, and, um, you know, just up and down the line. It's just, I mean, all the pieces were put in place, therefore. I think it actually goes a little bit deeper than that, even though, and... Well, this you, is the you, Deep Issues podcast, so... But, 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 but you, and, and because it, it, there's a current event with Venezuela that shows you very much why this is. And we've talked about this before, but it goes back to Federal Reserve notes. Oh, like one of I mean, our entire economy is basically a big, giant Ponzi scheme. If you haven't you know, mm -hmm. heard about this, going back and listen to that episode. But essentially, it's an unsustainable system. And the way that the U.S. sustains it is... We bully the entire world into using Federal Reserve notes, which is the only way we can print the shit out of the money just endlessly without it causing us, the system to crash. Mm -hmm. And so we have military bases everywhere. And if anybody decides, and this generally works with oil because it's such a major commodity, but in the case with Venezuela, hey, they tried to make some trades with China for, you know, mm -hmm. for gold and oil and Oh, what the fuck! All of a sudden, we need to spread democracy mm -hmm. down no, to Venezuela. You know, no, you're 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 right. You're right, Ed. And this is something that Josh and I actually touched on last week. That you know, it's always so convenient. It's always such a coincidence that the United States' issues around the world always tend to be in places. Uh, that are very very plentiful in in, in oil supply. Yep, and. It's, it's always under the guise that, oh, we're spreading democracy, we're freeing the people. If that's the case, there's plenty of people in, in, in Central Africa that are living under mm -hmm. under dictatorships. Mm -hmm. You know, there's... there's Tortured, uh, raped, terrible exactly, things going on exactly. around this world. So, you know, uh, North Korea, another place that all of a sudden the United States is, is, is buddying up to. But in, in all fairness, too, even before the Trump administration was here... The United States still still didn't do jack shit about North Korea. No, they didn't. Um, In fact, I'll even give a a, a a touch of kudos to Trump for attempting to to do something about the situation in North Korea. I don't even really like what he did. But I just I, I'll give him something. Yeah, they're but, like, but the, I mean, yeah, but the and, and the but the bottom line is though is is every single military conflict that is that is garnered around around the world by the United States under the, under like I said that guise of of freedom and democracy is. In places that have oil. Right. No, Adam, I completely agree with you. And, you know, for for decades, 
you know, when, when the three of us were growing up and before and after, you know, I mean, for decades, we heard about the terrible human rights in China. Well, you know what? I get that you can't go to war with China. There's a billion people over there. They're, they're a powerful country. Those people keep coming over that hill for 20 years. You, yeah, I, I get that. They quadruple our but, population and they have nukes. But everybody hates North Korea. Kim Jong-un is, according to what they tell us, him and his family that have been running that country for decades are lunatics. They're nuts. Terrible place to be. Terrible place to live. Just torture, rape, you say the wrong thing, you get silenced. They don't even hide it. So then you're supposed to tell me, if, if that's a case, and China doesn't like it, and the U.S. doesn't like it, Britain doesn't like it, Russia doesn't like it, all these people that don't agree on much of anything. Watch a UN meeting. These guys can hardly agree what color the sky is, but they all agree that North Korea is terrible and terrible human rights. You know what, then? What did you build up these militaries up for? Do something about it. Do something about it. If you really care that much, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to mind my own business. I truly do think that you should mind your own business. But if you live in an apartment complex... And there's five of you on a floor. And just one person across the hall that you know is just beating the shit out of his kids every night. Every night. Person, person in, uh, the person in, uh, in D is beating the crap out of their kids. Well, C calls the cops. Nothing happens. B confronts them in the parking lot. Says, hey, I know what you're doing. Cut it out. Stop, stop beating up your wife. Stop beating up your kids. Person in A is pissed about it. Nothing happens. Does there ever come a point where the people in A, B, and C just go in and stop it? Because I think there is. I really do. I think there is. I, I'm eventually, even though I'm somebody that's going to mind my own business, there's going to come a point where I'm going to knock down on that goddamn door and say, you can't do this to these people anymore. I think in a lot of situations, it wouldn't have even gone that far. Right. Like somebody would have stepped in before yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really. Everyone's on my side. I'm going to go in there and say, hey, listen, asshole. You yeah. can't do that anymore. So if, why? Because, well, because although I am somebody that minds my own business, I care about morals. I don't want to hear that somebody's being, somebody who can't defend themselves is being mistreated in that way. So if that's the case... If North Korea is so bad, then stop talking about it and do something about it. But, no, you know, a country that has oil, like Iraq, no, that, then we got to stop them. Yep. We got we to stop them. You know, oh, they're not a democracy. Most places aren't. <laughs> yeah, see, it's not even a democracy. See, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so here's another thing, too, is... We seem they have this love for dem democracy. Democracy is a shitty fucking form of government. It is. It, it, it first off, what we originally supposedly had wasn't a straight up democracy, and I think that's even questionable. If that's like so, that's another assumption. Kind of going back mm -hmm. to this false dilemma of like left versus right. You know, we always assume that we're in the best form of government. I don't think that we are. I, I mean. I think there are better forms out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what we came from was actually probably, but monarchy is probably better than what the fuck we have right now, too. Well, and, and that's what our system of government, which I believe firmly, I, I want to be a constitutional patriot. I genuinely want to be that person. I'm really not because I've seen that 
we had this great system. We had this potential for a great system, and we still managed to screw it up. But but I understand where you're coming from, and I think oh, that's why a lot of people still buy into what we mm-hmm. kind of have because you look at the Constitution, like, oh, this is awesome. It's basically just recognizing natural God-given mm-hmm. rights. Yeah, and you know. Anarcho-capitalism kind of does that, yeah. too. <laughs> no, Adam and I talk about anarchy on this show and on the X-Cast a lot. And quite frankly, the ideals of, whether you want to call it anarcho-capitalism, anarcho-communism, just anarchy, whatever you want to call it, the basic ideas of anarchism are what the Constitution's based off of. Mm-hmm. Voting is just a thing to, you know, you... You can't have a strict democracy. That'd be ridiculous. That'd be that'd be chaos. You know, people talk about anarchy being chaos. Anarchy's not chaos. Democracy's chaos. <laughs> that that is that is simply mob rule when yep. you have democracy. That's screw the forty nine percent. Why would you want to spread that to other countries? <laughs> right. I mean, that, that's that's what democracy is. You know, I, I I like to say that people say, well, we're a form of democracy. We're representative democracy. Okay, mm-hmm. representative democracy is democracy the way water polo is polo. Right. Okay. I mean, it's it's a very different thing. We're the we're the worst of both worlds, uh, democracy, socialism. Basically. Uh, yeah, I agree. Another reason that the U.S. Um, gets a pass from many Americans and from other people around the globe too is that I will acknowledge, even though I complain about our system and what we're becoming and what we have become. But yeah, it's true. I'll acknowledge as far as most places in the world, it's a good place to be born. Yeah. You know, it is. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a nice place to be born. It, as much as free speech is kind of going by the wayside, mm-hmm. it's still freer than other right, places. Right. And, and for the most part, it's a, it's a nice place to live. No, it still is. It yeah. Still is. I mean, it still it's, is. It's, there's some other nice places to live. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of shitholes in this planet. Yeah, there it's, is. There really is. But so on, on this point of, of kind of government, I think ultimately one of the reasons for Operation Mockingbird is, as I mentioned before, is, is social engineering because essentially it's, it's promoting this and, mm-hmm. it, and in many ways destroying family and promoting the state by, I mean, things that we've talked about before, like um, mentioned, you know, it. Uh, the feminism podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are a lot of ties from feminism um, to the CIA, but also to the media in all of this warmongering and all this sort of social engineering. What's happened in the last half a century is our state has grown exponentially and the families have been disintegrating. Yeah. And it's just given them more and more control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know, I know Adam kind of feels this way about you and I sometimes, Ed, but just to show that um, you know, that, uh, we aren't just anti-left here, you know, that we're, we're, this isn't just about opposition to left-wing ideas because yes, the media for the most part is leftist and liberal, but no, in, in Operation Mockingbird, we see that when they were, when journalists were being sent to Vietnam, journalists were being sent to Iraq, journalists were being sent to Panama, places like that, that that conservative journalists are handpicked. Mm-hmm. People who are going to be rah rah, like at the U.S. Go. Yep. You know that that those are the type of people that are inserted into those situations to 
gut. So the question I ask is, you know, we're all making assumptions here about things we know. We're all talking about the things that we have seen proven wrong that were told to us. But do we know the things we think we know? I mean, do we do we really know any of this stuff? I mean, we we know that we know that there was no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq because we are told that they were, and then when they didn't find them, then the news media did a one eighty on us and flipped, and now Bush lied, people died. You know, then then it was this whole new they were rhetoric. History, yeah, yeah they, it was this rhetoric, like like oh no, we were all lied to. It's like well. We only, we only believe the lie because you told it to us, <laughs> you know, because you came to us under the guise of we know the truth because we're so smart and we do all the research and we understand that you had a job from nine to five and that you come home in the evening and watch the news and you expect to get it from us. But we're, we did the due diligence. We did the homework. We rolled up our sleeves and got down and dirty, and you know we, we found out what was true about this, and oh, but that wasn't true. So now, this is the truth. Well, I, you, you've done nothing. The, the media's done nothing but show us that we can't trust them, and then the only thing we have to go off of on how we should distrust them is how they tell us to distrust them. So it's, it's the same people talking to us what another question i would have and we can you know jump back to that if you guys have something to say but well here i'll, I'll say this i'll say this um okay most people in this country will tell you there's going to be two things two things i'm going to say here that both start with most people in the country people in the country will tell you that they distrust the media. Polls will show that in like the late 70s, early 80s, that about 72%, roughly, from the ones I've seen, 72-75% of Americans would say that they believed the media. They trusted the media. Now, in you know, 2010s area, we have the the polls say that about 40% of people in America trust the media. Now, I call bullshit on that. I call bullshit on that. I don't call bullshit on the poll. I actually believe that poll. I, I, I believe that poll. I call bullshit on the people who are answering the poll. Because there's 60% of the people saying they don't trust the media. Well, I don't believe you. You say you don't trust the media, but you're still trusting them every day. You're still watching it. And I feel that this is a duopoly fallacy in work. People refuse to believe, they, they believe that Operation Mockingbird is true. They believe that the media is lying to us. They believe that the media can't be trusted. But they refuse to believe that it's not just the other side that's lying to you. No. They, they, refuse, they refuse to believe that. People will tell you, oh, you can't, you can't trust Fox News. You can't trust Fox News. You know, they're, oh, God, they're liars. They're conservatives. They're, they're terrible. And then those people that watch Fox News every night will say, you can't trust NPR. Oh, my God. They're ridiculous. They're pathetic. Oh, it's just a, just a mouthpiece for the, for the left wing. It's like, no, you can't trust either of them. <laughs> that's, that's the point. I think most people, when they say they don't trust the media, they're thinking specifically of 
a station or a side mm-hmm. that they can't trust, and then they think that well, my side's right. telling me the truth. Or, or even if they're not completely partisan biased, I know people say this constantly. And of course, I wouldn't say their names on air. It wouldn't matter anyway. It's not like people listening would know. But I know people would say, like, I don't trust cable news. I will. I refuse to trust cable news. That's why I listen to NPR. Really? <laughs> That's where you get your news? Okay. Well, it's like, oh, I can't trust what they say on local news. That's why I listen to Rush Limbaugh every day. Like, oh. oh, all right. <laughs> good. Good for you, Matt. That, that, that's great. That, that's great. Okay. Um, no, they're <laughs> they're all there. And hey, I, I, there's there's people that I like that I listen to too. You know, I mean, there there are. I'm not. You know, you gotta get your news somewhere, right? But but. You know, you just you got to question everything. What's what's that quote? If you, um, if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. If you do, you're misinformed. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the, I, I see why naturally people would want to go to something because, especially in today's day and age, there's so much information out there and so little time, and so people generally tend to trust experts in areas because you know it's it's a time saving thing. If you find somebody who you can trust. Mm-hmm. And they distill, they do all the hard work for you, and kind of, and get it to you. The problem is, really, it's it's really hard to know what's going on unless you you do some of the thinking for yourself. Like you can consume any of these media sources, but at least in my opinion, it's almost kind of okay. What do mainstream people think? And I have to remind myself this is a half truth, even if it's you know, even if it's something you might agree with initially. You got to be critical towards it. Sure, sure. Another one, I'm going to start this sentence kind of the same way, that majority of Americans. Majority of Americans, and this has been true, well, let, let's just put a real fine point on it. This has been true since JFK was shot. Mm-hmm. Most of Americans think the CIA are bastards. You mention the CIA in regular conversation with somebody at work, somebody at the bar stool next to you, somebody, you know, uh, in line behind you at Kroger. Most of the time... People are going to be in agreement that the CIA are bastards. They can't be trusted. This is a, a bipartisan agreement. This is one of the few things out there that is directly political, directly governmentally linked. That you get a room of, of 50 people, 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans, and damn near everyone in that room is going to agree that the CIA is scary. The CIA is dangerous. The CIA have done some really lousy things to see our bastards. Yet, how can you never see that on the news? You know? How come you never hear that? Because that's never reported. The news wants to sell, right? They want to tell you what you want to hear so they get better ratings. See, I think it's a little bit of a fallacy to think that each news agency, like, they just want the ratings and it's all about that because I think they very very often do things that agenda driven. Yeah. They're, they're, it, it's not for their ratings, but yes, yeah, it's, it's for the agenda. Like they would, they would kill ratings to push the agenda. And mm-hmm. that's partly because it's coming from above. It's, yeah. it's, it's for a purpose. It's not, it's not for the moment. It's not for a Thursday mm-hmm. night's ratings, but it's for what we need to push forward with. And they can get past some of that too. You know, mm-hmm. they could have shitty ratings for a while and things will swing the other way. And Right. Start getting good ratings again when it's their the, turn to bat. <laughs> the the cable news stations are living proof of that. I mean, they report the news media reports on their own ratings for these stations, and 
they don't care. I mean, Rachel Maddow has been on MSNBC for years. Her ratings suck. Nobody watches that crap. It's on there. Her ratings are actually pretty good. They're pretty lousy, man. MSNBC's MSNBC actually does pretty well. They they get slaughtered but, by CNN and Fox. No, Nights. they don't. Really? No, they don't. CNN's CNN's coming up third on most nights. Right. It's well, Fox. Then, it's I Fox. Mean, it's Fox News, MSNBC, then CNN. Yeah, and, and Fox News is always ahead of them for normal reasons because they are because they've split the market on the other side. It's you know there's it would be fifty fifty, but. MSNBC, CNN, CNN headline news, and CNBC split the, the split the left wing, you know, four ways. And Fox News, you know, maybe they share some of it with Fox Business, which nobody really watches. Another example I was going to cite was for years when Sean Hannity was first coming out. Sean Hannity's had his conservative radio show for years, but I first remember seeing Sean Hannity on a show called Hannity and Combs when Fox News first came out. I actually dug that show. It was a cool show. Are you still not on that? No. And Handy and Combs was a, a conservative and a liberal. They canned a liberal, quote-unquote. Oh, Combs is very liberal. He's he's, a, he's, he's he was the weakest one they could possibly put on that channel. Well, either way, my point is their ratings dropped miserably when they canned Combs and gave the show to Hannity. But they didn't care that the ratings dropped. They didn't want that anymore. They were sick of the idea that, uh-oh, Combs, some people are actually kind of liking Combs. We got we to get rid of this dude. You know? They didn't even give him a pay cut. They just stopped, they just stopped letting him be on the show. <laughs> they, they just kept, you know, he, he was still a guest on some other shows and stuff, and was, that's it. The show, no, the show's just called Hannity now. Combs is gone. Bye. No evidence whatsoever. Actually, it sounds like Handy and Combs as individuals got along. They were, you know, <laughs> friendly with each other. But, no, they, they canned them because they didn't want to push that agenda anymore. They didn't want to be fair and balanced like they claimed to be. You know? I mean, it's it's there. They, they would, like Ed said, you know, they, they would rather push the agenda than... Then get the ratings because the ratings are there. It's it's fine. People watch. They, they they have their they have their niche that people watch every night. And it's almost impossible to organically grow a sort of third party source anyway. Because look at the way Facebook and Twitter, and right? YouTube censor. Like I mean, you legitimately can get censored for talking mm -hmm. about some of these things, and people routinely do. That's why Facebook jail is a thing. And and sure, they get censored for. All sorts of other stupid mm -hmm. shit too, but you you can't like they right. and that's part of the reason why they can continue because they know eventually you know they're they're it like that's it's a very closed market. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's and it, it goes both ways. I mean, I personally think that it is all about the ratings, and I think it does all about the almighty dollar, and. Um, I mean, it's not just—it's not just the right that gets censored on social media. The left does as well, and I'm not talking about the neoliberal left. I'm talking about further left than that. And it's you know sidestepping here a little bit. It's—it's it's funny because neoliberals and neoconservatives are very—they very, have more in common than they than they 
that's been May the last think. like three decades. Yeah, I mean, the they, they they have yes, they have very very much in common than than what they initially might believe. You could take like the last four presidents and interchange them, and you'd have the same. Yeah. Right. But it's but um, I mean one of the uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to on on YouTube. I mean they were talking about Venezuela mm-hmm. and the the you know just the the media coverage on that and just you know the mainstream media coverage on that and just how it's completely false and how you know whether it's fox news or msnbc or cnn trying to push the narrative that every single person there is just striving for this juan guaido when it's not the case Mm -hmm. i mean maduro actually does have a number of supporters there that want to keep them in in, in power. Mm -hmm. And that's justifiable considering that Maduro was actually in the last election. Maduro actually got votes during the election, unlike Juan Guaido, who would essentially just be a puppet regime for the United States. And, you know, the United States can just insert their, you know, their their corporations and everything into Mm -hmm. Venezuela and so on and so forth. But my point is, is that when this was being talked about, this particular podcast, they didn't get banned, but what they, but what YouTube did is they, is they prevented them from monetizing that video. And what that does is that's, is, is that's huge. Is that's American corporations <laughs> yeah. sitting there saying, Hey, we don't like what that person is talking about because it's not good for our business. We don't want our advertisements being promoted on that show. I, see, I, I I would almost take issue with one thing that you said, which is that, okay, that it's, because it's a left-leaning podcast, it's not that it, whether it's left or right, but it's the truth that gets censored. So yeah, you're going to have the censorship on, on both sides. And the reason why it's not all about the ratings is you very easily, because the only time you're going to hear something like that and maybe some off-the-beaten-path thoughts, unless you do it yourself, is maybe searching out a podcast like that is all it would take is one of the major news corporations to say, yeah, we want fucking ratings. Let's start telling the truth about all this stuff because everything's lies. I mean, they, they, Mm -hmm. there's no shortage of things to talk about and they would just be through the fucking roof rating wise, but they don't want to do that though, because they want to tote the line. Do you know what I would go on out on a limb to say about Venezuela right now too, is that the only thing that I believe about what's going on in Venezuela is I think it's a mess down there right now. I, I think it's, I think some it, people are without power. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's an absolute disaster down there, but, um, newsflash planet earth. South America has been in and out of disaster for its entire existence. Yeah. There are, there are nations in South America that have had, you know, have gone from terrible to bad to back to horrific to semi-stable government to right back to terrible to, you know, a constant upheaval for the last 200 years. This is nothing new, but, uh uh-oh, Venezuela they're bad right now, so we got some keywords here. We got socialism. Um, there's oil there. Uh, there's you know all these different key things that are that are happening. Yeah. When's the last time you heard about Peru? 
in the news. How about Crews come in and out of disaster five different times in my lifetime. I'm not 40 years old. You know, I mean, there's other countries like that down there that are a disaster. But you always hear about Venezuela. Why? Because, well, they have oil. And big keyword, they've been openly socialist. There's been an anti-socialist movement there. There's been a pro-social. There, there's so so socialism's a bug, a big buzzword, and of course they're basically for some weird geographical reason they're the only place in South America that's got oil. <laughs> you know, for just whatever that is, I I don't know. More dinosaurs died there. I have no idea why th- that happened. In, in South America, South America, Central America, um, in, even in in some cases Mexico as mm-hmm. well um, have been have been you know victims of uh, of again that neoliberal neoconservative sure. policy that has been you know pushed by the United States and a lot of a lot of Western governments for for many many years I mean they've been um, responsible for you know overthrowing mm-hmm. and propping up. Um, Regimes, yeah. dictatorships. I mean, Chile's one of them. Um, that uh, you know, they they don't do it out of the interests of of the people there. They do it out of their own interests, mm-hmm. yeah. their own their own business interests. Um, most you, of the time, so. it's kind of funny you say that because it, it's super ironic that a democracy, quote unquote, would be causing that to happen because you know essentially you can only almost have that it's happening because of our democracy because essentially what all politicians are are just a competition of bads you know they only do you get the worst of the worst um and they only do basically what will benefit them in in the moment you will you get nothing long term from them at all and it's why democracy is a horrible form of government well, it I, only progress to getting worse i i mean i and, I, I i don't know if I, I don't know if i'm with you ed when you when you say democracy democracy is a horrible form of government i think democracy actually can be the best form of government um given the right set of circumstances however um I mean, you are right when you are talking about your politicians. Um, well, not your politicians, but politicians in general. Uh, and this goes back to what Josh has said, you know, over and over and over again about about voting mm-hmm. and how voting really does absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Because if you're if you're voting for one person. And not the other. Well, when it all comes down to it, when that one person gets into office, uh, they're basically going to be towing the line of, of again, centrist, neoliberal, neoconservative politics. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be favoring, they're going to be favoring the hierarchy. They're going to be favoring, um, they're going to be favoring big business and they're going to be taking a dump on the middle class, uh, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the centrist left that sit mm-hmm. here and try to push, oh, well, we're actually for, you know, we're actually for the middle class. So we're actually for the, you know, the working middle class and, you know, in the, in the, 
the downtrodden people of this country or if it's going to be the right who are going to be no we got to sit here and prop up the military and give more and more money to the military and go and push you know military intervention in, in some of these other countries it's all basically the same because it all basically wraps around in the same basic idea of um of just of, of, of just trying to push their own of their own interests, which are basically one of the same. But, but that's, it maybe this is a topic for another show, but that's essentially the, the point that I'm making is that I think democracy is always doomed to fail because maybe the right side of circumstances, it works for a century or two under the right circumstances, but you're always going to eventually run into that. Mm -hmm. You essentially have, especially when democracy is, you know, some short-term elected official, they have a very short, it, it essentially, in economic terms, it creates a very low time preference. So. I think I th I don't think Ed, that you're. I don't know if you. I don't think you're necessarily going to circle around to what you believe democracy is ultimately going to become. You may be right. You may be right. Mm -hmm. I think the bigger problem, though, with a true democratic government, is going to be other non-democratic governments around them trying to take them down and trying um, to overthrow it, them because because they're going to see and, and it's kind of like what we see in, in in North Korea I mean North Korea the people there are, are 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 in the black because their government doesn't want them to see what is actually happening on the outside world I think that kind of goes to show with 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 this as well I don't think that I don't think that governments around the world are going to want to see a true democracy form because that's something that people are going to ultimately want and ultimately push for, and it's not good for the people in power's own self-interest. Except the last century shows almost the opposite. You went from, you know, there were tons of monarchies to essentially you have some sort of form of democracy in, in most first world countries. And those are the countries that are knocking down the non-democracies and making them democracies. I mean, I think you have to worry about the democratic countries. To, uh, to paraphrase Alexander <laughs> Hamilton, he said that democracy is the worst possible form of government. It's also the only one that's even remotely fair, is, is what he said. Another Alexander <laughs> Hamilton quote says that the tyranny of the majority can be just as oppressive as the tyranny of an autocrat. And... That's true as well, which is why when these representative democracies pop up, you're supposed to have a system of rights that can't be taken away from the people. You can't vote away somebody's freedom of speech. Which is why the You can't vote away somebody's freedom of privacy. It's supposed to be the ideas between behind the Constitution. Even the Magna Carta in its jumbled, you know, you know, 800 years of nonsense <laughs> is, you know, it tries to parlay that into, you know, I mean, that's what the people are screaming in 1215 when they put up the the uh, the Magna Carta was, hey, the king can still be in charge. That's fine. You know, I mean, a lot of people think that, like, oh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, monarchy in England is, um, is uh, just a figurehead because the Magna Carta. No, the Magna Carta happened in 1215. <laughs> the, 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 the monarchy became a figurehead like 100 years ago or less. You know, that, that's not the case. You know, or 120 years ago. Um, 
it was just saying like, hey, you can still be in charge, but we, we got some rights here, right? And, you know, when it comes to democracy, I support democracy in some ways. I think it's good that people elect their county sheriff. That that to me is is democracy. That's that's just. You're, I think it's right to elect a congressman through districts. I don't have a problem with uh, bicameral state houses. I, I don't have problems with these. But where we've here in the U.S. where we've gotten away from the Constitution is we've taken things and made them taken things that have elements of democracy and tried to make them more democracy democracy like. You know, and that's actually worked a hell of a lot better when the senators were appointed by by the state legislatures. Worked a lot better. It was a better system. There's a reason why those really smart dudes who wrote the Declaration and wrote the Constitution took the, poli- took the politics out of it. Right. And it was still democracy. You elected the people that appointed that guy. So, you know, there was still democracy to it. Well, when this direct democracy garbage is tearing apart the country, you know, I mean, oh, now let's vote for the judges. Now let's vote for this. Now, now let's have a primary. I like primaries because they're fun and I like to cover them. I like to talk about them, but primaries suck. All it did was solidify the two-party duopoly. Can we just cut the bullshit and say it's anarchy? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and yeah, no, and, and so am I. So am I. Um... But, I think but I think I think anarchy it, is so misunderstood. Though it may may it may sound it may sound weird. I think the only true form of of democracy can only come from anarchy. Yeah, yeah, and but I feel like the only true form of liberty comes from anarchy too. But if you've got anarchy, why do you need democracy? Um, I feel like I feel like democracy only comes into anarchy when when. It's voluntary. In anarchy, you're 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 getting rid of the hierarchy. You're getting rid of the political. You're getting rid of the political class of of uh, of people. You're eliminating the state. I mean, you can the political you, you, class. You can still you can still have a hierarchy. Hierarchies exist in nature. I mean, maybe we're talking but about different things, but I mean, civilization I think, has a hierarchy. I, I think we are. That's it, but it, it's to me the the number one thing with anarchy. Um, you don't get rid of any of these things, but it's voluntarianism. Yeah. You know, I mean, Adam and I have discussed this, and we don't completely see eye to eye on the statement I'm about to say, but I don't really think it matters because it, it's, um, I actually view it as kind of a moot point, to be honest. But we talk about anarcho-capitalism. Anarcho-communism is something that, that Adam's got to be. I actually don't really buy into any of those systems because anarchy is anarchy. The minute it becomes anarchy, capitalism is there, but it's voluntary. Communism's there, but it's voluntary. Hierarchies are there, but it's voluntary. Democracy might be there, but it's voluntary. You know, I, I was uh, debating somebody on social media two or three days ago, and they said, oh, you know, of course, the, the immediate thing people go to when you mention any form of anarchism is, oh, you just want chaos. No, I don't. You really, because, like... Because people can't possibly imagine <laughs> the state not controlling it. Right, because, because somebody's... And people's view of anarchy begins and ends with the jerk in high school who used to write the big A with the circle, um, you know, in red Sharpie on the locker. <laughs> That's where their, their, their thought of that begins and ends. Hey, oh, well, people, um, um, 
oh, there will be chaos. People will be killed and raped. It's like, no, you're you're actually describing government. <laughs> Did, <laughs> you know? it, I, kind of on the topic, but have you ever seen the movie The Purge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, They're it, great movies. It, well, it's I thought they'd be dumb, idea. but I, 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 I like those movies. I, I thought it was... Well, the first one, I guess, was, was all right, but completely not what would happen whatsoever. Like, if you right. made an actual purge, right. it's like the exact opposite of right. what would happen. Right. Like, well, the <laughs> thing is, I don't know if you've seen the sequels to The Purge. Yeah, I saw Okay, I saw I, I've actually purge. seen every Purge movie. There's, there's three still? Or? There's four, and there's a TV series. Oh, okay, I haven't seen the fourth one. Um, I've actually right. seen everything they've had, but they get into aspects of it where the, the Purge is manufactured. The, the Purge is... So I, I thought I, the idea was cool and just like the execution was just like... I, I actually, maybe I was thinking the movies were going to be so dumb. I thought they were going to be horror okay. movies. And then when I watched them, I was like, wow, this actually is bringing up philosophical things that are much deeper than I... It just takes the other side. Right. Um, but no, I mean, the truth is, if we did, if we instituted the purge, the vast majority of people would lock their doors and stay in their house all night. Yep. No, most people aren't going to want to go out and doing killing, and and the ones right. that are the stupid idiots who are probably going to get killed, right? And other right. people defending themselves, right? But did you ever see those movies, Adam? No, they're they're actually. I thought I found parts of them pretty profound, but of course they are. They're action horror movies, so of course yeah. you you know, um, there are going to be elements of it that are you know closer to a, a Freddy Krueger movie than <laughs> than to uh, you know. Uh, in you know Ayn Rand novel or something, <laughs> but um, but I I thought they were kind of worth worth seeing. Um, I guess you know I, I guess we shouldn't stay on that anarchy thing too long because it's not really the the topic. But I, you know I do feel like it kind of lends itself to you know many much of what people think is. Very much, you know, a lot of people that think they're educated aren't as educated as they but, think they are. But it relates directly to Operation Mockingbird in in the way that essentially it controls what everybody thinks. And most people see the state as this benevolent mm -hmm. thing. And that's what allows it to continue right. and grow and grow when in reality, the exact opposite of that is true. Right. right. And so, so many people are so scared of... 1984 or Brave New World or Minority Report when they maybe don't realize that they're already living it. You know? Idiocracy. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, you know, like, oh, what if, oh, that would be so terrible if we lived in a society where um, the news media just told us what they wanted us to hear. Double speak. Would that be terrible? <laughs> I, or, or are you right there right now? You know, I mean, that's... Um, and I said, you know, people would tell you that they don't trust the media, but I think they're lying. They're 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 lying to themselves as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're not liars. They're you know, when someone's lying to themselves, you're you're not a liar. <laughs> you're you think you're telling the truth. That's the difference between lying and being a liar. But I just I don't know. I I think that a huge majority of people are into that. You know, we've said when talking historically on this show and in other places past that, you know, the idea that the two-party system has to go on board, you know, that uh, things like that. But then you'll say, well, the United States has always been a two-party system. There's truth to that. 
There is truth to that, that the United States inherently reverted to two parties almost immediately. And even in places with parliamentary systems where other parties exist, well, then a coalition government always has to be changed. And really, it's just two sides. There's just some smaller parties that that jump in and shift. But with the introduction of primaries in the progressive movement, in my opinion, this is when we solidified the two parties that we have. You see, we used to be a two-party system that had a chance for third parties to rise, and they did. And when they did, we never had a good, strong third party, but what would happen is that third party would rise, one of the parties would die, and then those two parties would take over. You know, we had the Federalists and the Democrat-Republicans. Federalists died out, gave rise to the Whigs. The Democrat-Republicans died out and gave rise to the Democrats. The, you know, so now it's the Democrats versus the Whigs. The Republicans formed, they didn't become a third party, it killed the Whigs. And then you had those parties. Those parties actually were fluid at first and had an opportunity for motion. But now our current Democrat Republicans, still those same parties technically, have just morphed with the times and solidified their power structure. And you can't solidify that power structure unless they're in bed together. You know, I've always said to me, the the Republicans are the Republicans hate the Libertarians more than they hate the Democrats. The Democrats hate the Green Party more than they hate the Republicans. Because that's a threat to them directly. They want to shut that down. They do not allow those to take over because they know that there's only room for the two parties. And they don't want it to be one party. They don't want to win. They, well, they, they, want, they, they want the well, opposition also, between those also, two it, it, and their power structure. It's also, it's also shows that they're one of the same, too. Right. Exactly. I would almost argue it doesn't matter how many parties there are. If, you, if everybody started knowing the truth and the media wasn't such a shit show, mm-hmm. we'd probably gravitate towards that, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, I mean, it's evidenced by hundreds of speeches given by Republicans and Democrats over the last 20 years that basically when Barack Obama says something, Republicans hate it. When George Bush or Donald Trump says the exact same thing, <laughs> like like word for word, the yeah. exact same thing, Republicans like it. When Donald Trump says something, Democrats hate it. When somebody from the Bush family says something, Democrats hate it. Hillary Clinton says the exact same thing. You go back, Bill Clinton, sitting president of the United States, said the exact same thing. Democrats loved it. Republicans hated it. The exact same thing. I mean, immigration is a, is a great one. Um, well, pretty much anything. Immigration, gun control, abortion, for God's sake. You know, I mean, things that you think are completely one-sided you know, that are established positions from these parties. No, that's like the, they cheer it when, you know. I mean, abortion should be rare. What, what's the quote? Abortion um, should be, I'm trying to think of the, it's a Bill Clinton quote, talking about how it should be rare and going down and, you know, uh, should hardly ever happen, if at all. 
And if you heard it, you'd think that a Republican said it. But Bill Clinton said it at the Democratic National Committee to host a... <gasps> to, to applause. To a room full of Democrats cheering for it. And if George Bush said it, it would be, What? He's going to destroy... He's taking our abortions! <laughs> it's... You know, I... Donald Trump banned bump stocks, for God's sakes. I, not only is it anti-Second Amendment, but he retroactively took them away from people. So it's anti-Fourth Amendment. Okay, let's pretend. Let's, okay, that last page of your Constitution book that you got sitting, pull it off your bottom shelf, dust it off. Um, pull out that last page that has the Bill of Rights in it. All those that, pull, pull all those out. Crumple that up. There's no Bill of Rights. Now just read Article 1. No ex post facto laws. <laughs> You can't do that. Even, I mean, even, <laughs> even if you could, even if you revoke the Second Amendment, which is technically legal, you know, you get the the states to agree and uh, two thirds of Congress, you know, all this stuff. You amend the Constitution, and say Second Amendment, no, nope, it's gone. Nope, still unconstitutional. <laughs> you you can't take away something that the government already told you was legal when you bought your legal bump stock. Back when they said, yeah, bump stocks are legal. They're cool. That's neat. It's just a, a fun little gun toy. You can have that. Republicans agreed. Democrats agreed. The NRA said, keen. <laughs> you know, and everybody was on board. And now, you know. I mean, if, if Obama banned bump stocks, it'd have been like, oh my God, every redneck scrub. Let's fire up the pickup truck, Betty. We going to Washington. We can't handle this. Now now Trump does it. And it's just, oh, take mine first. <laughs> bump stacks are dumb. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean even, even in all fairness, too, I mean, even on the other side of things, I mean, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow for, for liberals, too, when, when they're presented with the fact that up until this point right now, Obama has bombed far more countries than Donald Trump has. Way more. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, think, I think Obama's bombed seven countries oh my God. during his presidency. Killed tens um, of thousands of Muslims. And uh, I'm sorry, just one second. And, and Trump right now has bombed, let's see, he's bombed Syria. I mean, he's bombed, I mean, who hasn't bombed Iraq? Uh, yeah, I got a couple myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, Af Afghanistan is, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's three. I mean, Obama deported more people than Trump so far. Too. <laughs> yeah, but Obama, Obama is, was in office. Right. right, right. Yeah, he might, but Trump was, but very was, well might catch him. Yeah, but he was, but Obama was, he was referred to as the porter in chief. Yeah, he was. I mean, and, and he was referred to as Obama, too. Yeah. So it's, again, tough pill to swallow for liberals. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it, but that, you're right, Adam. You're 100% right on that stuff. That's, that's the manipulation right there, though, is having the opposite side because you've got this false dichotomy. That's how you work towards the Hegelian dialectic is mm -hmm. that you basically have the opposite side move it like that. Right. Right. That's, that, that's, that's all that, that, that is the point completely. No, and you, you can't, I mean, you can sit back and pretend like that is just this enormous coincidence, or you can be like most logic minded, reason minded and, wisdom-minded people believe that there's no such thing as coincidence and that that is manufactured that that's manufactured by the parties or the media or whomever who you know if there's somebody you want to blame or somebody you don't want to blame fine but it, it's there it's happening you know i mean it's 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 definitely there 
Um, another one too. You know, we just want to throw out some some absolute hypocrisies from the two parties. Um. Uh, okay, the Democrats want to tell you that um, cops are bad. It's open. I, mean, I remember uh, this being a, a common a common theme. It's open season on young black men for cops, and the Republicans, no, no, cop, we have to obey the cops all the time. The cops are they, it's, they're so integral. The thin blue line is what keeps this country together. Then they scream. We have the Second Amendment. We have the who the hell do you think enforces the gun laws, geniuses? <laughs> hey, really? Who, who do you think enforces the gun laws? It's the cops that you love. It's, it's, it's it, and and then so the Democrats will tell you that guns are bad. Only cops should have guns. The cops are out there killing all our young people, and the Republicans will tell you guns are good. We all need to protect ourselves. Molan Love, come and take my guns, pry them out of my dead, out of my cold dead hands. Yay, cops! Cops are the best. These it's are another, our two an, parties right it's, now. It's another false dichotomy. Yeah. It's like, wait, what about option three? The cops aren't out there killing everybody, but yeah, we need less of them too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, I know we're we're kind of going in circles here, but I hope people are getting some good. Info out of this stuff. Another thing that, and I know we're trying to, you know, kind of close up here. But another thing I think is really important pointing out in the Operation Mockingbird world is it's not just with the nonfiction stuff. It is, and I'm, I'm trying to use this cop thing and the gun thing as um, an interlude into this to segue into this part of it here. I know you're not supposed to point out when you make a segue on show, but I did it anyway. Um, it's not just the nonfiction stuff. It's not just the news, the opinion shows, and the supposedly non-opinion shows. It's the fiction shows. It's the fiction books and the movies in Hollywood that we know that there are CIA plants in Hollywood. We know that the CIA pays things. We know that movies are made, and the CIA has a form. The when Animal House, Animal House, Animal Farm. Sorry, not, <laughs> not Animal House. Animal House is good. Uh, when the Animal Farm movie was made. The CIA helped produce that movie to make sure that it wasn't just anti-totalitarian, but to make sure that there was a distinct anti-socialism and anti-communism message in it to show that, you know, in, Animal Farm is a, you can argue, I, you know, when you read the book, it is an anti-communist thing. And, and there are definite um, corollaries to characters being Stalin and Trotsky and, and Lenin. But they are they made sure the CIA and again this is not confirmed, this isn't a conspiracy. The CIA had put money, helped fund that movie to make sure that we weren't just criticizing Stalin and Lenin and Trotsky for being totalitarians, what they did, that the communism in the ideology is what's evil here. Not just the fact that, you know, I, mean, I, I like to always say, you know, is, is, is Hitler evil because he's a fascist? No, he's evil because he killed six million Jews. Is Stalin evil because he was a communist? No, he's evil because he killed 10 million Russian peasants. I don't like fascism or communism, but I'm not going to pretend like there isn't a way that you could have peaceful communism, peaceful fascism, just like you could have peaceful democracy or peaceful anarchy, and you can have terrible democracy and terrible anarchy. These, you know, it's 
there you can you can paint a utopic picture of how any system could be decent and there are even examples out there for you know utopic versions there are you know there are fiction versions and there are a few non-fiction versions but those are harder and harder to find because the world's been a shit show for you know thousands and thousands of years but that doesn't mean we can't maybe make it better but the fiction shows i want to point out is like what are, what are like the the top tv shows that you just can't get away from are just the cop and military shows constantly seal team six ncis csi uh, Law and Order, these things where they love to show you police officers blatantly going past their boundaries for the good of the people. Breaking the rules, but they're breaking the rules because they have to. Because uh, we, we, uh, we don't have a warrant. Uh, well, we can't wait for a warrant. This man's a pedophile. We can't... <laughs> Uh, did you, I mean, did you properly search that guy? No, but we know that he beat up his girlfriend. Okay, well, let's turn the other cheek then, you know. And they, they sell this as, it, it gets people behind it. it. It convinces people that my liberty's not that important. These, you know, these and this this show sounds like I'm so terribly anti-cop, and, I, and I'm not trying to be. I'm actually not trying to be. I know there's great police officers out there. I, I'm friends with <laughs> with police officers. I, I you know I'm not even trying to be anti-cop, and I'm certainly not a guy that's anti-military. I do. I respect people who are in the military, but yeah. I, are we? Th- you don't. I don't do. No, I don't. I don't. And this is comes back to the question of the, do we know the things we think we know? Because we, we, we get told things about the war in Iraq, but then people go there, and that's not what they see. So, back to what you were saying earlier with people saying they don't trust the media. I actually tend to think a large number of them actually don't trust the media. However, they're not watching the news, but they're turning on Netflix sure. or cable television or whatever else, and they're just getting fed the same shit in fiction form. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Adam, remember, this was probably, what, three, four months ago we were talking on the show, and our topic for the day was just for a random X-Cast episode. And remember we were talking about the, the maybe they're the smart ones. You know? The ones who try to stay out of it? Yeah. The ones who just pay no attention to this but, stuff uh, whatsoever. Are they any worse off? And you know what, though? You know no? what, though? They're, they're yeah. not. And I think Ed brings up a point here, because it just doesn't stop with what you see on Netflix. Um. I saw this on a. I, I heard this on a podcast. Um, it was one of my left podcasts. Um, it was called <laughs> Eyes Left. It actually was. Um, it's hosted by. Did you hear about that cadet at West Point that got thrown out because he had the uh, he yeah. had the um, written on the bottom of his cap was uh, communism will win. So he got thrown out. He got discharged and everything like that. But he hosts a podcast now, and he was pointing out, you know, the one of the main themes now of some of these war video games, like, uh, what's the big one? Um, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, yep. I mean, when it first came out... PUBG. Yeah. There's, there's a million Call of Duty. When, there, it, yeah. when it first came out, it was all about, you know, World War II. It started mm-hmm. from there. And, yep. You know, kind of going through the, you know, going through the, the decades here. But now they only focus on modern warfare. Mm-hmm. 
And is that just a tool to yeah. the uh, to the to the uninformed or the quote unquote, you know, the, the ones who, who don't care, the blissfully ignorant? Right. Is that a, is that a is that a recruiting tool now for for the military yeah, to so when it comes down to it? So when it comes down to it, hey, you know what? You can go and live out this video game. Not only will you be able to live it out, but you also get the GI Bill out of it too. Mm-hmm. You'll yeah. get paid to do this. You'll get an education for it. Right. And just come yeah. sign up. Be all that you can be. You see this when you're debating uh, gun control things with people too. And I know some people who are, uh, who I, you know, who I interact with a lot on social media who are debating gun control frequently. One of them is contributor to this show, Glenn Updike. Glenn Updike. Mm. Uh, who I used to formerly host Settle It on the Screen with. Um, and, you know, they'll, these debates will happen and a lot of people will chime in and some people will start to give information and others will come on and be like, this is what happens when all of your information about firearms comes from video games. Like, you, you aren't describing a real firearm. You're describing the way that firearm acts when you upgrade <laughs> your character with that firearm in the game like that that's that's not real that's not truth is like if if you get shot with a gun you're not instantly like like you get hit and you're like oh god that must have been an AR15 <laughs> 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 really, that that hurt way more than a 9 that did 43% of damage instead of 36% of damage that there's there's no way that was there's no way that was a 22. So, so no, it, it hurts when you get shot. It doesn't really matter what, what you get shot with. I, I, on that topic, I think that's actually, you know, obviously you know where I fall on that, being, mm-hmm. being to the right. I think where the sort of ignorance and just getting what you information you know about that from the media really comes into play is that most people that I have met, and maybe this is completely subjective, I'll admit that, mm-hmm. um, who are anti-gun know little to nothing about guns. Usually they've never held one. They know nothing about the safety. Um, In case in point, there's a guy that I know, friends with, who very much to the left and was like that and very much bought into the, well, we need to make them illegal because that'll improve numbers, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, whatever. Uh, Eventually decided to give it a try, learned about gun safety, now owns somewhere between half a dozen, dozen firearms and took his CPL class and fucking loves guns it went the other way and will self-admittedly say i was ignorant about it i didn't realize that these actually can be safe and i looked into statistics mm-hmm. and like you know but, but and i say this just as that's kind of an example of what you're saying like people get this information when you when you reject the, the yeah. when you reject what's being force fed to you 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 can sometimes find that you feel differently. I think I think I think the problem I think the problem with that too is something that the, that the mainstream tries to push is that the gun the gun debate in this country is a black and white issue, mm-hmm. and when it's not, I think that I think with with conservatives, it's what. Well, I have one comment. Actually, the, the only debate is whether guns should be centralized or not. Nobody's actually saying they shouldn't be there. It's just, should law enforcement have them or should people have yeah, them? Yeah, and... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, people I, who, are, who support gun control aren't anti-gun. I th- There's I, no one who's anti-gun. Right. I mean, what, what you what you get on the right, though, is is this... is this. I think this, this military... Mm-hmm. Um, propaganda surrounded surrounded by that um and on the left it's it, it just seems like 
you know, let's just give up our guns without thinking of the consequences for that. Oh, no, and um, I, I agree with you too, Adam. The ignorance it's, it's, of guns it's, it's isn't, both sides. isn't it's, owned by the left completely. No, I, I, no, I mean, it's, it's not. No, and, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's this, it's uh, for the right, like I said, it's just, it's, it's this mindset that it's this militaristic mindset that we need guns all the time. I think the NRA actually too is, is one of the worst proponents um, out there for 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 people who, who are wholly on board, they say with the Second Amendment, and like I said, liberals too. I mean, liberals sit here are. It seems like under most circumstances, they're willing to just give up their guns willfully to to you know to the government and 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 not ask any questions. About I it. I like to the two the two organizations that I want nothing to do with. Who on paper I technically agree with both of them, by the way. But the two organizations I want absolutely nothing to do with because I feel like they are absolute frauds. And that perhaps they served a purpose at one point, but now have to deliver this narrative to make themselves relevant are the NRA and the NAACP. I hate racism, and I'm a huge advocate of the Second Amendment. And to me, those are two of the worst organizations in this country. I would never give either one of them a penny because they do nothing but support this narrative. The the NRA, I don't know why quote-unquote gun nuts. I don't know why they like the NRA so much. I really don't. They, they they support gun control. The NRA is one of the reasons why we've walked away from the Second Amendment in a lot of instances. From the true, just basic interpretation of the Second Amendment. And if you want to say all the BS about how uh, the Constitution's a living, breathing document, which I, I can't stand that, that argument, but quite honestly... It takes about 22 minutes of research to find out exactly what the Founding Fathers meant by the Second Amendment. It's actually very simple. Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. So all the nonsense about, well, they said militia. They said, no, well, hey, but that doesn't that doesn't mean you can have... They didn't know that we were going to have automatic weapons. Automatic weapons were invented in the 1600s, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 no, actually, it's actually very, very easy. You don't even, I mean, if you read the Federalist Papers, boom. But it, you don't even have to go that deep into it to know exactly what they meant. And it's it's cut and dry. Um, with that being said, you know, Adam, you pointed out the, you know, how the parties are so willing and people will say these things off the top of my head. And of course, I will not say their names, but I don't even know that many people off the top of my head. I could name. 10 Republicans I know personally, 10 staunch Republicans who do not own a gun, and I can name 10 Democrats who are avid gun hunters, hunters, or, you know, who are, you know I, I can really, off the top of my head, I'm doing it right now. I can name 10 people I know personally from each side, 20 people who don't fit that narrative. Staunch Democrats who own guns. Have, maybe they have a CPL. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're hunters. Maybe they're not. Maybe they just dig guns and have a couple in their closet. And I can name Republicans who will talk about their gun rights and have never held one. <laughs> well, look, you know? look at where a lot of this comes from. So very relevant in the news seemingly every month is, hey, there's another mass shooting. And then what do you hear over and over again? Oh, my God, we got to start doing something about the guns. But you don't hear any media outlets saying, hey, while this was a horrible tragedy, like statistically speaking, you're going to die a million other ways. And then from the other side, you hear, oh, let's go out and get some guns before they take them from us. You can't do this. And it's just, 
Like, it's just a, it's a shit show. Mm-hmm. You never hear about it, too, that um, that mass shootings account for a very, very small They're insignificant. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it, comes it to sucks to hear that a couple dozen people die, but you know what? Statistically speaking, you're not going to die from a mass shooting. You don't need to worry about no. it. No, you really don't. There's, I mean, if you're if you're staying up nights worrying about a mass shooting, um, you know, oh my god, I don't want to send my kids to school because of a mass shooting. You leave your kid on on a cul-de-sac a sidewalk every morning for school. Do you want the chances of them getting hit by a car are right there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean. Oh my God! Somebody's texting and uh, didn't see the bus, so they swerve at the last second to miss the bus and take out three kids. That is, you have that is so much more likely to happen. You're more likely to. I mean, if it's it's a gun death, it's going to be probably somebody you know with an unregistered mm-hmm. gun that's going to kill you. Right, right. And and both parties, both parts of the media, both the left and the right, love to play with their statistics. Oh my God! Do they love to play with their statistics? Um, I mean, when when they talk about gun deaths in America, take take away suicides and people shot by cops. That, that suicides <laughs> is where it's gonna. <laughs> I mean, the suicides is a huge one, but take away suicides and people shot by police officers who may or may not have deserved it. That's not necessarily an anti-cop thing. No, no. There's plenty of cops who very legitimately will kill people. Right. You know, I mean, the and again, you 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 want you want gun deaths. Um, remember um, on uh, POE Politics of the Empire mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and I know we, we should be wrapping this up. Remember on Politics of the Empire, we had uh, you know Dorf telling us that uh, you know it's impossible to fight the government mm-hmm. with with these these guns again which which one is it are do do we need to you know take all these guns away or can you not really can, can you not really uh, affect anything yeah, you uh, see tell, tell tell that to the Viet Cong. Really, <laughs> tell, tell that to uh tell that to people in iraq not only, not only still haven't stabilized not only that to josh i mean i know i know again this is something completely different but it, it, you don't just need weapons to take down a government. Right. I mean, if if you got a mass mobilization of people within the United States, mm-hmm. you could very, very much influence uh, the government, yeah, the workplace, wherever, based on, like I said, mass mobilization, and take the government for example. If the government orders troops to all of a sudden use deadly force on that mass mobilization mm-hmm. it may not it may not change the mind of every soldier or every police officer mm-hmm. but it damn well sure will do it with some of them mm-hmm. and again that's one way to you know take on larger forces look at the difference between War is hell, no doubt about that. And it affects people, you know, in, in terrible ways for sure. But look at the difference between, and now that we can look at this historically now. This isn't something we have to analyze on a, 
you know, a basis of a case by case basis is something we look at historically. Look at the difference between the soldiers who came back from World War II and how they felt about what they did and the soldiers that came back from Vietnam and how they felt about what they did. Why was it so much worse for the people in Vietnam? Because they were lied to. Right. <laughs> it was it was it what thirty years of difference just made them that much weaker. I don't know. That they just weren't as tough. Good either ways. I think there's some post traumatic stress from there, from both groups. <laughs> there is, but it's it's far worse with the you know with Vietnam and one in part of it's what they had to see, what they had to do, and also how the culture and the country that they were received by felt about what they did. Well, that winning is probably huge. Like, if you go and you fight in a war that mm -hmm. flat out you lost, I mean, that's like an admission yeah. that it was wrong. Right. And, but in, and in World War II, hey, there are some people lying about some stuff in World War II also. And you saw some. But for the most part, we thought, this has to be done. This has to be done. We're, we're stopping Nazis. We're, you know. But, but, had, but had America lost, you know, had had the Allies lost, I think you probably would have seen soldiers feel differently. True, but that, I, that, that's I the mean, point of it, too. That, I mean, I, yeah. But Vietnam, though, was, I mean, was that generation's weapons mm -hmm. of mass destruction. I mean, something that, and we'll, we'll wrap up, and if you guys have anything else to say, we'll, you know, we'll shoot over to you guys, too. But um, a point I'd kind of like to wrap up on, and this is a legitimate topic for another day that I actually want to throw in pumpkin once pumpkin is empty, but I think it definitely is involved in Mockingbird. And that's one of the ideas that we're sold on a regular basis is the people in the Middle East want to kill us. They hate us. Because they hate democracy. They hate our way of life. They um, hate our religion. They hate um, our freedom. They hate the way we live. They hate us. Okay, let's, let's go with the idea that they do, in fact, hate us. Do they hate us because they can't stand that people all the way across the Atlantic are worshipping Jesus instead of Muhammad? Or do they hate us because we're there blowing up their stuff all the time. I tend to go with the latter. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Um, maybe they use that in their rallying cries after the fact, like we do, like anyone in a war would do. You know, maybe they use that in their rallying cries. The uh, kill them, they're Christians. Kill them, they're Muslims. Kill them, they're Jews. Kill them, they're um, or we hate their country. Their country hates us. But bottom line, when you throw these young men, usually young men, there's women and older people too, but you know, typically young men is the vast majority. When you throw them into this battle, you throw the three of us right now into a battle, into a war zone. We each got an AR-15 in our hand. We're being shot at and grenades are flying and bombs are going off. Both sides of that war aren't really fighting for an ideology anymore. Nobody's fighting for that. Brave, not brave, cowardly, whatever emotion pops up right then, you're fighting for your life, you're fighting for your buddy next to you. You know, that, that guy next to you, you bummed a cigarette off of him this morning. You are friends with him. You slept in a bunk next to him. Yeah, you're fighting for him. But are you fighting for freedom? 
Are you fighting for democracy? No, you're just fighting to stay alive. And, and that guy you're shooting at, he is too. You know, the bottom line, you know, there are sides in wars that are often right. There are sides in wars that are often wrong. And I know that's a subjective thing, but there are times when, for the most part, for the most part, vast majority of planet Earth thinks the Nazis were wrong. And yeah, that has something to do with they lost, for sure. You know, um, I mean, Napoleon once said, history is a group of lies that we've all agreed upon. And as a historian, that kind of like offends me. But there's some truth to it, too. You know, there's some truth to it. And I do think you can find truth through history, but there's some truth to that statement, though. It's just a bunch of, you know, the, the easy way is to say uh, history is written by the victors. Eh, I don't know that that's really true completely, but it is just a, a, a bunch of pseudo-facts that are agreed upon by... The, the, by, the, uh, the way that it's portrayed, though, isn't... Okay, well, obviously only the victors typically live, but yeah, I think I would agree with what you're saying too, because the way we're presented things by our institutions, necessarily exactly always how they go. They're, mm -hmm. they're framed in a very certain way, not necessarily as the victors, but as what they want us to think. Right, right. And there, there's plenty of times where people have outwardly won a war where history doesn't remember them as the good guys. That's happened an awful lot. So, you know, so that's why I kind of sometimes reject. So, oh, history's written by the winners. History's written by the victors. I don't know. Is it? In, in that case, we should all just love the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should all just, all just in unison, just be like, hey, Britain rules. Because they, they didn't lose that many wars. But, no, we, we talk about their imperialism and their, you know, the nasty things they've done. We don't, we don't have a, great opinion of the mongols <laughs> or the persians the the ancient persians we, we say plenty of bad things about them and they want a whole bunch of wars and you know what's funny is this point we have so much history to draw upon so many examples of just how horrible war is and i would say for most people they just want to be left to themselves like that you know obviously cultures vary and there can be conflicts however most people know inherently that killing is wrong mm -hmm. and that war is bad yet more than ever you have all these sources that essentially sort of glorify war and you still have people who think it can be a good thing mm -hmm. and hey you know we we all know we all know that um president eisenhower tried to warn us of the military industrial complex when when he left and president eisenhower is remembered as a, a fairly good president who did a lot for peace on planet Earth, but he set some things in motion, and the media was a big part of that, selling the, those ideas to the rest of us that this needs to be done. When, uh, I don't know, you know, not sure. Not sure that how much of that was true. So, I don't know, you know, final thoughts. Adam, I'm going to kick it to you. Um... I don't know, I think this was a I think it was a good discussion. Obviously, I don't think that this is. I know we usually go around and talk about whether or not we mm -hmm. actually believe this or not, but I don't know if there's any reason for us to do that since this is something that is has been proven to be true. Maybe not in every literal sense, but yeah, it's 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 fact. There is plenty of fact to this. Um, but I'm glad we, I'm glad we I'm glad we talked about it tonight and 
Uh, you guys were mentioning before about, you know, people being pulled one way, mm -hmm. um, you know, in one direction when it comes to when it comes to the political spectrum. And if, you know, people knew more than what they knew, then that would probably be very much the case. Or if they weren't, uh, you know, glued to mainstream cable media all day that, you know, they're, they may be more prone to going more right or more left. Um, I can say for myself that, I mean, I know you guys, you guys joke about it and you guys, you know, make, make fun of me for, you know, for in the past, but I'm not, I'm not afraid to now consider myself a communist and a socialist anymore. I don't. Call me a communist, call me a socialist all you want. Um, I am done with the Hillary Clintons, the Nancy Pelosi's, um, the Joe Bidens of the world and of the center left and of that neoliberal policy that has gotten the left absolutely nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and even people on the right, like yourself, Josh. Um, people who are, you know, going more towards, you know, Rand Paul or, you know, Justin yeah. Amash, who are more of the, you know, two more mainstream, further, you know, right. I'm not talking alt-right. I'm talking libertarian. Sure. Right. Um, I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't no, blame and, you for and that. I'm not, that's what um, I've tried to tell people too. And most people don't even get the reference, but I'm, I'm not going to the right. I'm going South. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to a libertarian aspect completely. I've always been a, kind yeah. of a libertarian guy, but I'm, I, I embrace it fully now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do. I, like, I, and that's, that's fine. I embrace communism. Yeah. There you go. Not that there's necessarily even contradiction between being a conservative and being a libertarian, depending on how you're mm -hmm. looking at it. Because there, there's obviously left-leaning libertarians and right-leaning libertarians too. Yeah, there is. I, I guess personally, that's mm -hmm. kind of like what I would consider myself as more of like a right-leaning libertarian. But, yeah, but they they're not contradictory necessarily. Right. What What I like to say is, um, whether you're right or left only matters if you're an authoritarian. If you're a right or left libertarian and you're truly libertarian, it doesn't matter. You can have opinions on things, but it doesn't matter because you believe that other people are free to do what they want. So, you know, you don't want to infringe on somebody else's right to be that other person. I don't care if somebody's on the left, as long as you don't care that I'm <laughs> on the right or, or on the south or on the whatever. You know, that it does. everyone, I, I like differing opinions as long as somebody doesn't. Yeah, that's, I guess, you know, like, of course, I, I don't, I don't have problems with somebody who is, who is gay, but I'm not going to become gay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's not me. You've talked about it in the past. I, I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. My, my, my track record with women shows that I, if, if I could be gay, I would, but that's not, I'm not wired for that. Um, now, but add any other final thoughts? Um, no, I don't think I want that I, much on, on Mockingbird or just that. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that I haven't already said. Really, I mean, I, I think it's a good topic to kind of get off on other topics because it right. relates to so much. I mean, it's it's 
it's not everything, but it's a very key piece of just how everybody's essentially been brainwashed. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, we, we certainly have been. We certainly have been. Um, I mean, Adam brought it up um, with him, you know, kind of saying that he's like embracing communism more. And I don't completely agree with the way Adam defines communism, but Adam is very intelligently in the past and will continue to do so in the future has defined his version of communism and why it's good. You know, I mean, he, you do a very good job, probably better than anyone I know of talking about the difference between, you know, state communism and, and things like that. You know, the, you, you do an excellent job with that. Thank and you. it's, and, but you can see that with somebody like you, who, although you're a free thinker, you have been, you had to break free from the brainwashing of what they told you communism was. You had to break away from that. And that's, you know, when I believe that's true with, with anarchism, too. And it's, with and yeah, and it's not just I, that. The, I, the thing, like, libertarian doesn't have that same um, negative stigma like, oh, you're a red commie, mm -hmm. like communism does. Well, the stigma that libertarianism has is this whole, oh, you're fringe and you like wasting your vote. Pick a side already, loser. You know that that's that's the stigma that libertarianism has. Like like your your views are impossible. We need the state so much that your views are they're just silly and impossible. How about this for an idea? Instead of endlessly seeking out ideologies, almost all, if not all, can essentially be proven to be false or wrong in some way. Mm -hmm. Why not seek the truth? You sure. are who you are, right? <laughs> and you know, your opinions and your knowledge of things will be will be formed by what you know. So if you seek the truth, you'll be closer to whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, it was very difficult for me because I want, like I've said many times, I want to be a constitutional patriot. That's what I want to be. It was very difficult for me to... Um, to learn of certain things that have made me, in the eyes of others, be anti-military. So I'm not anti-military. I don't want to be anti-military. I know people who are in... My, my grandfather was one of my heroes. You know, I mean, Marine, fought in Okinawa in, you know, World War II. You know, I mean, an absolute hero. It's, it's hard for me to, you know, voice opinions that others construe as anti-military anti-police but hey i i'm seeking the truth you know I'm, I'm doing what i can to to seek the truth and sometimes the the pills that are hard to swallow to use you know adam's line from earlier the the pills that are hard to swallow are sometimes the only ones that work they're they're the best ones you know um it's 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 easy to do research and find out you're right <laughs> no, that's you know why every good study basically, you know, somebody else tries to prove it wrong, and in their in the process of trying to prove it wrong, they prove it right. Mm -hmm. That's that's you right. Know, you if if you seek an echo chamber, you're never going to improve right. yourself. I mean, I I kind of say the same thing. Like, so I'm a fairly right leaning guy. A year and a half ago, I became vegan. Like. That's something that people typically don't think of. And, right. and for me, it was kind of like, it was very much against that. And for, it, it, it was, I had cognitive dissonance. Like, that's a legit thing. When you have an idea that doesn't jive with the rest of your ideas, it's it can be hard. It's not, it's not easy to I, accept what you think is the truth. I told a family member of mine who is a, um, 
has been a vegetarian for over 20 years, I think. Um, a while ago when I ran into her, I was actually at a funeral. But we were just talking afterwards, and I mentioned that um, I did a podcast on veganism and vegetarianism. And she kind of looked at me, and she's like, oh, God, I'm not going to want to listen to that. <laughs> you know, because it's me. Because it's me she's talking to. And she knows me, and we're, we're close, and she knows me well. And I said, no, actually, believe it or not, on the podcast that night, I had a vegetarian who's on the left, a guy who I kind of view as a progressive who eats meat, a libertarian who eats meat, being me, and a vegan who's on the right. And she said, oh, really? Well, maybe I'll check that out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and because, yeah, it's not the thing you immediately assume. And I like to always say that if if somebody tells you three of their views and you can guess how they're going to how they're going to feel about the next three, then that's a boring person. But hey, when it comes to Project Mockingbird or Operation Mockingbird, um, I I believe it, and I believe that it's still taking place right now, and I, I believe that it it runs deep in a lot of ways, and I think that people should. Um, Check and double check and don't believe things. Question everything. Question everything. That that's the only way you can uh, you know you, you can get ahead. Um, I was going to mention deep fakes on this episode and how this is going to be the transition to a point where we can truly just never believe the media ever again. But that's something that needs to go into pumpkin on its own, so I'm not even gonna I'm just going to kind of tease that for a future episode. I don't even want to mention it, but I I feel like that, to me, technology is going to be a turning point to where we're going to reach a point where we cannot believe anything we are told. We're already there. I I think we are, too. I think we are, too. But um, if we're not there right now, we're going to be really, really soon. Um, Ed has just reached into Pumpkin. He handed it to Adam, and we are going to announce what the next Deep Issues episode is going to be, which will be when, Ed? It will be April again. 30th. April 30th. As you know, we do this show the 2nd and 5th, if possible, Tuesday of every month. This month does have five Tuesdays, so we are are going to do a second one this month. And what did he draw from the Magic Pumpkin? Um, Ed drew... paper open here we go um hmm i didn't even know this one was in there (laughs) interesting uh satanism behind conspiracies Ooh, i like this i love this topic satanism behind conspiracies okay excellent that is going to be a fun episode i got i feel i want to do that right now i'm going to start that right now getting the occult in there yes okay no this will this should be a good one satanism behind conspiracies on april 30th um i would god i don't remember that one being in there do you think pumpkin generates new ones while we're not looking i think it might even though this looks like whose handwriting is that is it yours ed no, that's, that's mine. Not, that's, that's yours? Mine. Yeah, that's mine. Oh. <laughs> See, I don't remember putting that in there. No, it, it, I put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, I think I think Pumpkin may have the same handwriting as Josh, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
But hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in for this episode. I hope we didn't get too off topic or at least that the, when we did get off topic that it was still informative, enlightening, entertaining. We will catch you next week in this time slot for XCast, Not Deep Issues, where we will have members of Bill Grogan's GOAT, a um, pretty cool rock band that uh, I had the pleasure of meeting a couple weeks ago. They are going to be live in studio with us next week. Your music fan, definitely check that one out. Thanks for tuning in to Deep Issues. We'll see you on the Xcast, and we'll see you back in Deep Issues on April 30th. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now.